You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are recapping the spring scrimmage. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined by my colleague, and uh, Longhorn Blitz star, Jeff Howe. Uh, Jeff, man, thanks for coming on the flagship, my brother. First off, you know Rod Babers is the star of Longhorn Blitz. So I'm just <laughs> well, really along for the ride. No, it, it's, good to, it, it's good to be with you, Chip. Uh, you know, we were sitting next to each other in the press box during the uh, 100-place spring scrimmage, glorified practice, whatever we're calling uh whatever it was that we saw saturday night and uh you know i know we, we've got a lot to get to and not a lot of time to get to it so let's go ahead and dig in yeah i mean obviously um if we're gonna start off with the headliner everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks in this in this spring sure, scrimmage yeah. and hudson card uh came out got the first reps with the first team uh, but quinn ewers Got plenty of reps with the first team. We saw 11 on 11. We saw a two-minute drill. We saw red zone work. And Jeff, you know, you see the the good stuff. You see the arm talent from both of these guys. They can make all the throws. Yep. But then you see the the not so wow moments. Hudson Card taking in intentional grounding. You know, penalty in the in the red area work. Quinn Ewers throwing an interception to Anthony Cook. Give me your thoughts on what you saw from the quarterbacks. Yeah, I I'll start with this. I think anybody that if you watched it in the stands, if you watched it on LHN, I don't know how much you saw because I still haven't gone back and watched the TV copy. And at this point, based on the feedback we got on the flagship message board, I don't know what that TV copy is going to show. So that that'll be interesting. But <laughs> If you were in the stands, LHN didn't have a good night. No, no. If you were in the stands, that was pretty much you know. If you put yourself inside like one of the the weekend close scrimmages during spring practice or during fall camp, that's pretty much what you got on Saturday. So from that standpoint, just to kind of put in the to, uh, frame of reference of, of what you were watching, as opposed to like the traditional spring game format, which I actually like what we got Saturday better than. A traditional spring game. Um, here's my thing on the quarterbacks, Chip. Like you said, when you when it's clicking for both of them, like you see what makes both those guys special. Like Hudson Card, when it's a rhythm passing game, when he can boom, three step drop, boom, the ball's out, he knows where it's going. It, it looks awesome. Uh, and Quinn Ewers, man, when when you could, I, it's been a long time. Maybe you, you know, Sam Ellinger, I think was an underrated deep ball thrower, but you probably got to go back to Shane Bouchelle the last time we saw a deep ball like that. Like the sixty plus touch, sixty plus yard touchdown, Tyzay New York. You probably got to go back to Shane Michelle last time we saw something like that completed uh, in that stadium and something resembling a game. But I think where both guys need to improve is this. I think for Hudson Card, and I, I think you asked Sark about this a couple of weeks ago. I think for me, with him, it goes back to pocket presence and understanding, you know, when to bail, when to hang in there, you know, just kind of maintaining the cool head. Uh, I think that's still where you see some of the areas for, for growth for him. And he did. I thought he took a lot of checkdowns last night. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, I actually think that shows some growth on his part. It, it doesn't make for exciting football, but I think that's where he needs to continue to grow. And then I think for Quinn Ewers, and I think this is what is going to be the ultimate deal for Sark Chip. I think with Quinn Ewers, it's the mistakes that he makes, how he bounces back and processes those mistakes. And Sark talked about that last night, but that's, but we both, we've both seen a lot of young quarterbacks come through this program and the first couple of years with those guys, man, it is a slow burn and you're going to have some growing pains. I mean, even to an extent you saw it with Colt, you know, we saw it with Vince, definitely saw it with Sam. Um, how does Sark process those mistakes Quinn makes and those guys being on the same page? I think that really at the end of the day, what's going to determine at least initially from the outset where Sark goes with his quarterback battle. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if Quinn Ewers is a guy who can, you know, I'll use Tony Romo as an example. Romo would have some three interception games, but he'd still rally and find a way to win yeah. the game because he could forget the mistake and move on. Last year, we we didn't see that from Hudson Card. He'd make the mistake and then he'd he'd struggle. And yeah. and Sam Ellinger had that same situation his freshman year. So look, it, it takes time. It takes growth. But if Quinn Ewers is the number one rated quarterback, number one rated prospect in the 2021 recruiting class, maybe he has that etch a sketch memory where he can make that mistake. Like he did last night where he throws that, uh, you know, forces a ball into traffic, gets intercepted by Anthony cook, but then comes right back and throws the, you know, that 25 yard dart to, Xavier Worthy in the red area yeah. work for the touchdown and and he can just shake it off and keep going. Yeah, I, I think with him too, you know, it's kind of weird. Like and they, this might sound like a hot take from me coming from the spring game, but I feel like Sark is in the same scenario he was last year in terms of how he looks at both these guys and from the outside looking in, how I view it. You know, Hudson Card might be the safer pick at this point. And I think he was last year in terms of a guy that, you know, if everything is on time in your offense, uh, I, I think he can succeed and, and do it at a high level, but you know, I'm sure we'll get to the offensive line here in just a minute. I, I still think this is an offense as explosive, as prolific as I think they're going to be. This is still an offense where I don't think everything is going to be on time most of the time. And last year we saw where, where Casey Thompson, some of the, you know, his pocket presence and, and his feet where some of that stuff helped you. I think with Quinn, I think it's just the ability to make the off-platform throws, change arm angles, change ball speeds, just his talented arm to make off-schedule plays. So he can make the off-schedule play, but a little bit much different than what you got from Casey Thompson. I still think that's how Sark has to look at it and judge, okay, how much of the offense do you feel like is going to be on time? And how much of it is going to be off schedule? And the more you decide you need to go off schedule, I think that tips the scales to putting yours. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked a lot of what I saw from Quinn Ewers. I mean, he, yeah. he, threw, he threw the ball away uh, at one point. Um, you know, it, when he, when he should have, and then he had pressure coming on him from Ovia Gofu, and he kind of uses that little three quarter, you know, slot to throw it to Jatavian Sanders and. And the team, you know, moved. And then he got his chance in the in the two-minute drill, and it was a three and out. So, you know, it's up and down, and this thing's going to go long into fall camp. So nothing For was sure, decided yeah. in this spring game. But you saw you saw that Hudson Carr is probably, like you said, the safer pick right now. He's a little better managing the, 
the game and taking care of the football. But man, you saw that upside of of Quinn Ewers. Ooh. And let's get to the offensive line, Jeff, because you know I see some of these preseason polls saying Texas is you know number six, and I'm looking at that offensive line, going, "Who's going to be playing on this offensive line?" I mean, the 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 attaboys that have been handed out during spring have gone, you know, Jake. Jake Majors and Junior Angelau have been probably the steadiest of the offensive linemen. And then the attaboys have been handed out to Hayden Connor and to true freshman, early enrollee freshman, Cole Hudson. That's pretty much it, Jeff. And we got six offensive yeah. linemen coming in, including two five stars and Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks. I think Longhorn Nation is hoping that one or both of those guys are, are freaks and can start as freshmen. But that's a lot of unknown at, at a critical position, isn't it? I, I don't know where you were. I like what I saw from Cole Hudson last night. Yeah, that's I did the too. first time. Yeah, that's the, that's the first time we really got a chance this spring to take a look at him because kind of peek behind the curtain, Chip. You know, when, when we go out to practice, we get, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, when they start doing routes on air, uh, that that's pretty much the point where we get kicked out of practice when our viewing window ends. So we, yeah, we get, don't get to see the know, big boys go up against each other. Yeah, so it's a lot of individual stuff, and you know, you can look physically. He looks like he belongs, and that's about all you can take from it. But um, the last night was the first real look we got him, and I just, I just like a young, a young guy that uh, you know has some fight to him and is willing to get in there and duke it out in the trenches. And a guy that you don't have to work. It's that old deal, Chip. You'd rather you know grab the leash and, and pull it back a little bit to rein him in than have to kick him in the backside to get him going. I, th- I think. I think that's Cole Hudson. I think they might have to reel him in a little bit rather than, you know, kick him in the backside and get him motivated. So I like what I saw from him. Uh, the, the, the problem with the offensive line is depth. I, I actually think, and I don't know, maybe this is just me feeling good about, you know, everything around that offensive line. I think they can get that group to the point where they're passable. Yeah. You know, where they're not just a complete detriment with the, with the first five. Once you get beyond that, though, that's where – if I'm Kyle Flood – I'm probably telling, you know, throw Cole Hudson in that mix too. I'm probably telling another three or four of those guys, hey, get ready to come in and play because you're going to have an opportunity to crack this 2D. I mean, that's DJ Campbell, Kelvin Banks, Nato Mayazulu. Like, those are the three that jump out. You're probably going to see four, maybe even five true freshmen in this 2D when that 2D comes out the week of the Louisiana Monroe game. That's just the reality of the situation where they are right now. And, you know, you mentioned the Quinn Ewers two-minute drill, how it was a three and out. What was around him on that two-minute drill? He was right. playing behind the number two offensive line. And Mauro Ojimo blew by everybody, got a sack, and just destroyed that drive. So, I, you know, the offensive line, I'm not – by no means do I think it's fixed. By no means do I think it can just suddenly be, hey, it's one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12. Like I said, I think with that first five is passable. But now you get in a situation where, man, if you have an injury to one of those guys – What's the best bad idea you've got? Do you, do you take one of those backups and put them in? Do you roll a true freshman in there? Because at that point, Chip, none of the ideas, if you're Kyle Flood, none of the ideas, none of the plans you have are, are good at that point or ideal at that point. Yeah. And that's – look, I, there were times last year where I felt like, okay, it's time to, you know, roll the quarterback, move the move the pocket to try to, you know, hide some of the deficiencies in the offensive line. And yeah. that's – that's not really how Sark works, but he might have to. I mean, he's got too much skill talent, and that's that's the thing. I mean, everyone's seduced by the 
high, you know, quarterback ceilings of of Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, but Bijan Robinson and and you got Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy returning. Now you throw in Isaiah Nair and you're bringing in Ajayi Hall and you know you got Jaleel Billingsley who can who can catch. We don't know if he can block as a tight end, but you got all the skill talent and and that's where people are like, oh man, Texas. But as we just pointed out, there's still some orange construction cones going on around that offensive line. And, and we'll see. I mean, yeah. we'll see. Because Cole Hudson made a I, lot of progress in 15 practices. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Junior Angulao as a backup center. Like I, I probably talked about backup center maybe more than anybody should talk about a backup center. But I mean, you, you lose there. Because he rolled a couple snaps back there. But you lose Derek Kerstetter, so now you don't have a backup right. center, and, and you're you know you're Rafiti Gurmaya was your number three, and he's not around anymore either. So I think developing, and who knows, Chip? I mean, maybe maybe Logan Junior Parr, is, Logan Parr's been you know he's been getting most yeah. of the second team center snaps, and we didn't get to see him really last night. But and Sark always mm-hmm. says, I got to have three guys. I got to have three guys yeah. who can snap the football, and I think that's where Junior comes in, but. Junior at center might be like the Connor Williams center experiment with the Cowboys where it's like you, you try it on and it's like, ah, okay, just go go back out and start a left guard, kid. You, you, you done good. You gave it the old college try. Um, but no, I, the, the example that I like using, Chip, with the offensive line, and I'm not saying Texas is going to have this offense because the offense I'm about to talk about was one of the best offenses that we've seen in the last 30 years, maybe ever in college football. But think back to that 2019 LSU offense. Like that LSU offensive line was not a great overpowering offensive line, but what did they do? It was the combination of Joe, Joe Burrow and his arm talent and Joe Brady putting cheat codes in that offense and fail saves in that offense. The RPO game, getting the ball out quick, uh, you know, maximizing your weapons on the outside. And yeah, you've got Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall and Thaddeus Moss and Clyde Edwards Alaire. I mean, how many guys did I just name right there that were, you know, rookies of the year or, you know, all rookie guys, Pro Bowl guys in the NFL already. But I think Texas has talent that could potentially maybe get them on the cusp of an elite level or maybe push them over to elite. I think the skill talent is that good. Chip, I, I think they got the best collection of skill talent in the Big 12. Granted, I haven't seen everybody else in the Big 12, but find me a better group of running backs, wide receiver, frontline wide receivers, and tight ends than what Texas has among everybody else in this conference. I don't think you can do it. And that goes back to what you just said. I think that start making sure you put cheat codes in this offense and fail safes in this offense to make sure, hey, take some of the burden off of those guys and kind of use what you've got. And, and there are there are parts of this offense and things he can do, whether it's motions and shifts or quick game or whatever, uh, you know, maximizing your personnel groupings, different things you can do uh, that can take some of the burden off that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. And before we move off the offense, you got to give some love to Roshan Johnson, the do it all football player on this team, because he he delivered a couple of stiff arms um, to Terrence Brooks and Devin Richardson that are he's going to be able to look at those guys in the locker room all offseason and be like, don't talk to me. We, we were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about the press box. I think if you're a young kid like Terrence Brooks, you might realize, all right, it's a it's a spring game. Maybe you're not going full, full speed. Well, the guy you're trying to tackle. He doesn't know what half speed is. If he's in pads, it's it's full speed 100% all the time. So I just feel like Rojo Chip is going to kind of become kind of one of the, the, the a Fozzie Whitaker kind of cult hero type guy. I think he probably, for a lot of Texas fans, is probably already at that status. 
But I think by the time he's done with this year, I think I think he'll firmly be in that category. Yeah, in that group I mean, of guys. Guys, a stud. Uh, and Isaiah Nair is all the all the hype is is validated. I mean, this guy's going to help. Uh, you saw it on the the touchdown pass from Quinn Ewers, and he's a big kid. He can he's got big range, and uh, he's a that's a big addition for for Texas in the receiving core. Yeah, and real quick on that chip, you know, you look at it, you look go back to twenty twenty, and how much Tom Herman on the offensive staff kind of spread the wealth. Right, there wasn't one guy that gobbled up a, a lot of the targets. And you looked at, you know, Sark coming from Alabama. Obviously, when you've got four first-round wide receivers on your roster, hey, those guys are going to get the bulk of the targets. But one thing that I was interested to see last year was, last year Texas kind of followed the same formula at Alabama in terms of, man, if you're not in that top four or five group of wide receivers, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities. And I think in 2020, there were six wide receivers, seven wide receivers that had 20-plus targets. That number dropped to four last year. And at the bottom of that, I mean, you had Xavier Worthy with over 100. And then I think it was Joshua Moore with 45. Jordan Whittington had like four, you know, low low 40s, high 30s. You had Marcus Washington at 30. And then I think the next closest was Kelvante Dixon in the mid-teens. So if you're not in that top group, there's there aren't going to be a ton of opportunities for you. So if I'm if I'm anybody outside, I think – what the spring game confirmed for me, Chip, was uh, Isaiah Nayor isn't, he's much closer to Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy than he is the rest of the group. And if I'm Marcus Washington, Kelvante Dixon, Casey Kane, any of those other guys, knowing that Ajay Hall is coming in and knowing the kind of guys that Brendan Marion wants to bring in with Brendan Thompson coming to campus this summer, um, I better get a sense of urgency real quick if I want to have anything resembling a significant role in this offense in 22. Yeah. I mean, um, okay. So offense, skill, talent, uh, as long as they stay healthy, Texas is looking really, really good. Uh, Let's move over to the defense, Jeff, because (laughs) the defensive line, the tackle position, maybe the deepest position on the team. We thought the defensive line was going to be a strength last year. It didn't work out that way. It wasn't all their fault. Um, there was just a lot of loss of gap integrity on this defense, in part because the linebackers weren't as physical as they needed to be. That's been a big point of emphasis. And I like what I saw from Jalen Ford, David Benda, uh, even DeMarvin Overshawn. He only played two series, but he looked more physical to me. I've heard from you know team sources that, he's had to play more physical because David Benda has been more physical. I mean, I, 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 and I love what I saw from Mo Blackwell at safety. My God, he had three three lights out hits in this scrimmage, Jeff. I I told you this in the press box and we talked about it on the blitz. Like, I wonder if this staff looks at Mo Blackwell and says, okay, you know, maybe he doesn't have, maybe he didn't put on enough weight to be a linebacker. You know, is he is he fast enough to be a safety? And granted, I, I really like Jade Barron at that star position, but do they look at Maurice Blackwell long term and say, you know what, we're gonna make him kind of our version of what Jalen Petrie was for Baylor in terms of we'll just have him be at that nickel position and he can cover guys, he can blitz, he can play deep safety, whatever you need him to do. I 
that Mo Blackwell experiment, other than the development of the young edge guys, is maybe the most intriguing thing for me on this defense in the offseason going forward. I mean, he didn't just okay, he hit he had the sideline hit on Worthy. Worthy may not have even seen him because there were guys kind of shielding uh Blackwell's right. angle. But the hit he made on Jaden Blue at the goal line to keep Blue from scoring in the red area work it toward the end was a that was a big time veteran uh collision at the goal line that that said man this guy knows what he's looking at he knows how to execute it and i mean i'm probably more excited about mo blackwell than anyone else on defense yeah. coming out of that scrimmage well let's before we get to d-line let's stay in the secondary let's stay in the secondary because that group i was more i wanted to watch that group because there's so much shuffling of positions chip i liked what i saw from some of those guys yeah. like you know, Jameer Johnson being tough in coverage. Jade Barron, Jade Barron might have been the best defensive player on the field in the spring game. And, you know, you kind of know, kind of know what you got with Deshaun Jameson at this point. But like the move of Anthony Cook to a boundary safety position, I think is has elevated his game. Uh and Cook has I, had I, interceptions all spring. Yeah. Like yeah. He and I think been, I, yeah. he is he has been a turnover machine. And what I what I like about him is now, you know, even even his time in Todd Orlando's defense and with Chris Ash, he's played everywhere in that secondary now. He's played corner, he's played nickel, even going back to his freshman year situationally, he played some dime, and now he's at safety. Um, talk about a guy that just knows defensive football. I like having veteran guys like that at that safety position, especially considering how bad Texas was at safety last year. Uh, but yeah, with J- J- Jameer Johnson in coverage, that might have been the surprise of the night in terms of the guys defensively. And then that battle, you've written about it, Chip. We talked about it, man. That battle at that that field side safety with Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson, man, that might just be one of those deals where you just have to alternate guys serious because that looks like, in terms of individual position battles, there might not be a better one on this roster right now, a more competitive one than that one. So, man, I'm. I, considering how bad that group was last year, I think if you're a Texas fan coming out of the spring game, I think you've got to be really pleased with the trajectory that that secondary looks like it's on. That's that's Pete Pikowski, Terry Joseph, and Blake Gideon doing a really good job. But just you know, you to fix your deficiencies, Chip, they could have done one or two things. You can talk, attack it from a scheme standpoint or personnel standpoint. You feel like they're going to attack it with scheme. But I just feel like the personnel adjustments they made have really, really lifted that group. Yeah. I mean, Jaron Thompson, you got to give it to Jaron Thompson because he was, at the beginning of spring, he was running backup nickel and backup safety. Mm -hmm. And then he sort of supplanted Keaton Crawford as that field safety, and he might have had the play of the game uh, in the scrimmage last night. I mean, Jatavian Sanders makes a great catch in traffic, and he's trying to bull his way into the end zone and Jaron Thompson literally rips the ball out of his hands and makes a, makes a big time play there. And so Jaron Thompson, who, you know, started five games at safety last year, had some tough moments. Uh, I just like the competitiveness, Jeff, you, you hit on it. Having a guy like Keaton Crawford pushing you because Keaton Crawford loves football. You can see it. He'll hit you. Um, you know, there seems to be a good energy at that position. Last year, 
know, I don't want to call it the BJ Foster syndrome. You know, the, the guy had been there too long. Maybe the, the good days had passed him and his buddies were off in the NFL and he just, it, it wasn't there. That energy of last line of defense, nothing's, nothing's gonna, you know, we're never gonna uh, let down. We're going to fight to the end. That wasn't there. I get the feeling with this group that at least that fight will be there. Yeah. And that, and that they'll do better against the run because there were way too many big runs for big plays. Just think of the OU game that, that, that broke loose that never should have. The Will Howard run in the K-State game. Ah. Uh, which kind of like that. Got that, people benched. That one play, that one play just encompassed the struggles defensively last year. Because, like, if you, you get a chance to go back and watch that play. 71-yard like, run by a 6-5 quarterback. They're, like, what just like, blows my mind about that play, none of the 11 guys on defense did their job, right? There was no <laughs> there was no penetration from the interior D-line. The edge got collapsed. The linebackers flowed the wrong way. Corner couldn't get off a block. Safeties took bad angles. And, like, it just – like if you wanted just a, a, a one play kind of synopsis freeze freeze frame yeah what was wrong with the defense last year that one play pretty much sums it up but no and I'm not look I'm not saying the secondary is going to be like that you know secondary on the 05 team that where you had everybody playing the NFL and you know Aaron Ross won the Thorpe Award the following year didn't even start that year um just but I just I just again yeah I just and I, I you know, there's something Anthony Cook is one of those guys just real quick on him you, know, you, you look at a guy that struggled early in his career, was in the transfer portal at one point, came back out. And I think now one one term that I've started to use, and actually, you know, we saw Tom Herman do a good job of this early in his tenure. Guys that are holdovers from the previous regime, can you kind of repurpose those guys? Give those guys a new purpose, whether it's a position change or whatever it is. Sometimes even just giving guys a new jersey number. I, there's so many different things you can just show – a, a holdover like hey i believe in you you can be a big part of this i think the fact that anthony cook is one of those guys i think chip to, to i'll borrow a term from chris beard that he uses with some of his guys kind of a defender of the culture at this point i would say that for anthony cook that's a really good sign for the secondary because again if you're a young guy if that's a veteran guy he's seen up down and everything in between in his career for him to be bought in the way he is right now on top of the fact that he's making plays that's 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 where you can start to see the secondary maybe turn the corner a little bit. All right, we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast, recapping the Texas Spring scrimmage. Uh, we'll be right back with our final thoughts. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, let's get back to the front of the defense. Uh, Linebacker. I have to say, um, Jalen Ford, to me, is one of the more unsung storylines of spring because He's been the guy who, according to his teammates, according to team sources, has really played with more confidence than we ever saw him play with last year. And he was the third leading tackler on the team last year, and he only started two games. So it was there for him to take that big step. I think he has taken it. He he will continue to. Um, He's athletic. He's big. He can run, and he will hit, and he will take on guards and yeah, on those blocks and shed them, or at least limit the space and force the run to bounce somewhere where he's got teammates. I mean, it's that's got to happen, and I think it's happening. He he is a a living, breathing example of there are some coaching staffs in college football that when they offer a kid at a certain position, go back and take a look and make sure you didn't miss something. And with Jalen Ford, he was committed to Utah for a long time. And when Morgan Scaly and they, Kyle Whittingham and that Utah staff, when they come into Texas and offer a kid, if you're a P5 school in this state who didn't offer that kid, you need to go double back and make sure you didn't miss something. And that's a credit to the previous regime. I mean, they kind of worked incognito to flip him in that early signing window for that 2020 class. And, you know, lowest rated guy in the signing class. But here's, here's the thing, Chip. I think he also encompasses this too. Like we see in the Big 12, the linebackers that are really good in this league aren't like your prototypical 6'3", 230-pound thumping linebackers. I think those guys in this league, they're a dying breed. And it's, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez was a high school, played like eight-man high school football and was a, was a wrestler. Like Terrell Bernard was committed to Tom Herman at Houston, like a 200-pound high school linebacker. And just going down the list, like Mike Rose and all the guys that have been good in this league, think about Think about when Texas has been good at the linebacker position, like that 2017 defense. What did you have? It wasn't size, but you might have had the fastest linebacker tandem in the country with Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson. So it's just there's a different breed of linebacker that succeeds in this league. I think Jalen Ford is in that mold. Yeah, and I think with DeMarvian Overshawn and David Benda, um, you know, again, these guys need to stay healthy, but they, I think they are going to take – uh, an important step this year. I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt at this point. And they didn't, you know, they didn't strike a lot of gold in the recruiting class, the 2022 recruiting class at linebacker. So these guys need to be really good. And, and Devin Richardson is a guy I think who's coming, but uh, still, still has a ways to go. And then, you know, what I'll say this, Chip, what, what the offensive line is to the offense, I think that inside linebacker group is to the defense. I think I think your two front line guys, I think not only can they be passable, I think those two guys, if they're healthy, I, I think you can be competent and, and even better there. But if one of those, if you've got an injury, I still, that position, I still really worry about the depth with that group. Yeah, and they're doing some interesting things with Jet Bush. Um, he's playing... 
you know, inside linebacker in some of their packages, and they like the way he runs and 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 stops the run. So interesting because Jeb Bush has been an edge guy, and he still does some edge things, uh, even from that package where he's lined up as an inside linebacker. So, you know, they're they're trying to they're trying to cobble it together. Obviously, Gary Patterson uh, being on this, uh, you know. You know, football staff as a special assistant to Sarkeesian uh, has opened some minds about how to use certain players in certain certain packages. Uh, but you're right. I think this is this is a position group that has to take that next step, and I think they will. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the moment. Um, but Jeff, when we get up front, it's interesting. Um, Everyone's going to hear from Jackson Jeffcoat uh, on the flagship podcast on Monday. Nice. And he, his eye was drawn to uh, Justice Finkley at practice the other day. He said, I don't know who number one is, but that guy, that guy looks like he can uh, get after people. And what do you think? You know, that it's funny, Chip. Like that's, that's what I love when, when like former players go to practice or a source goes to practice. That's how you know a guy's playing well. Hey, I don't know. I remember, uh, I remember Casey Stuttered. It was a 2014 practice. We recorded a podcast with him back in the day. And he's like, man, I don't know who number 33 is at running back, but that kid can go, man. It was Deontay Foreman as a true freshman. So, you know, that's that's all. Take that as a good sign. A guy going in, just blind, no roster, saying, man, who who is that cat right there wearing number whatever? So, now, Justice Finkley was – uh, look the part Saturday night for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a thick dude. I mean, he looks like he's been in the program a few years and, and Steve Sarkeesian singled him out. I mean, when, when I asked Sark who, who stepped up on the offensive and defensive lines, Justice Finkley was one of the guys singled out. Uh, obviously Baron Sorrell's had a really good spring. He's been running first team, uh, at, at, uh, an end position with Ovia Gofu. Um, and kind of interesting stuff, Jeff. They had a, you know, kind of a five-man line at times in the spring game. Um, you know, when they would bring uh, Ovia Gofu down from that outside linebacker position to kind of a stand-up end, you'd have yeah. Baron, Baron Sorrell, Tavondre Sweat, Keandre Coburn, uh, Alfred Collins. I mean, that yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's talent up front, and we just haven't seen it manifested yet yeah and that might have been the most disappointing thing for me last night was that interior d-line group like i just i was expecting a little bit more and maybe that's a me problem expecting too much in the spring game i just the disruption chip like that that group is too talented to not be more disruptive definitely more disruptive than we saw last year which was not nearly enough for what that defense needed yeah, and that's that's going to be the big question. Can can that group either by scheme or just using your hands better for crying out loud? Um, yeah, to get get offensive linemen off of you and get into gaps and really create havoc. We've got to see that this year for this defense, which was terrible last year. I mean, thirty one yeah, per game, two hundred yards rushing, five point two yards per carry. Jeff, that that's not going to win anything. No, and I, I'll go a step further. Like the spring game and, and all of our spring intel at Horns 24-7, everything our sources said, 
to me, it reinforced the need for Oshawn Mathis on this defense. Yeah. Like I, I called some PFF data and just crunched some numbers and chip. I looked at it, C gap and D gap runs last year. So basically everything to the, and we know how much wide zone teams run in the big 12 C gap and D gap runs and jet sweeps last year. Texas faced 195 of them, gave up 6.9 yards a carry, almost seven yards a carry on C gap, D gap runs and jet sweeps of the 68, 10 plus yard runs you gave up last year. 40 of them were from the C gap out. Uh, and of the rushing touchdowns you gave up 21, 16 of them were from the C gap out. So you, you did not do a good job of setting the edge at all. And we know like PK tried some different things last year. They tried, remember kind of like that look we saw last night. Like you tried sometimes where you ran some base 40 personnel with three true linebackers on the field. You tried Alfred Collins at one of those edge positions. You tried to do some different things and it's like nothing he did work. Uh, but the O'Shawn Mathis deal, that just reinforces shift. They just need more guys up front that, you know, you know, last minute of a game, critical third down. Can a guy just go win a one-on-one battle and disrupt the quarterback? That, yeah. That's what they need more of. And O'Shawn Mathis has proven in his league he can do that. I, I like the potential. Justice Finkley and Baron Sorrell have to be those guys. But at the end of the day, you're still talking about a, a redshirt freshman and a guy that got here in January. So if you can get O'Shawn Mathis in here as a buffer to, to get before those young, before you throw those young guys in the fire, I'll tell you what, man, David Albiar is a guy that I think flashed a little bit too. So there, yeah. there's some intriguing young guys in that group, but you need, you need a veteran buffer there. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, was it Abiara who got into the backfield and and stuffed mm-hmm. that two point conversion or whatever that thing was? He also got in and had that uh, when Charles Wright and uh, Jaden Hullaby had that you know, mishap at the mesh point. He was right there and pounced on that fumble too. Yeah, got him a yeah. turnover. Yeah, need more flashes from those from those young guys because you got a bunch of guys on that that defensive line who could be moving on after this season. I mean, some mm-hmm. have to move on. Others, if they have the kind of season they want to have. Uh, we'll be moving on. So um, that that's a position that has underperformed and it needs to to change that if Texas is going to change the way things went in 2021. All I'm right. Positive, though, quick, positive real quick, Chip, on the yeah. line. I think you'll agree with me on this. It's going to be very tough to keep Byron Murphy off the field. Yeah, He's the one guy in that group that, again, I think Mike Roach, our recruiting editor at Horns 24-7, hit the nail on the head. He's a Roy Miller starter kit, kind of like Rojo on offense. If Byron Murray's in full pads, he doesn't know what a half-speed drill is. He's going, you know what, to the wall all the time. So I was, again, I just think that's a guy you've got to find. You got to find a spot for him. Don't care where it is. Right. It's, it's put, funny. Put, put him at edge. I don't. I don't care. He'll right. throw a body into somebody at least. Well, it's funny because he's, you know, from a from a measurable standpoint, he's not exactly what you look for, right? He's six feet, he's 290. And then you got Alfred Collins, who's 6'5", 306, and looks like an NFL player. Mm-hmm. And Murphy's the more productive player. That's the frustrating part is you're trying to get Alfred Collins to play like, you know, a Bruce Smith or what he looks like. Yeah. Well, while... Byron Murphy's just grinding away, making plays and doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And, and so, you know, that's coaching. That's why Sark makes the big bucks. It's why Bo Davis gets paid. Well, it's why Pete Kwiatkowski 
It's why you bring in Gary Patterson. So I'm expecting so much more from, from the defensive front this year uh, than what we saw last year. Um, and, and we saw some flashes of that. <laughs> by default, by default, Chip, it almost has to be better, right? Oh gosh. It can't be worse. I mean, I, mean, I guess it, it could, but. That 71-yard Will Howard run against K-State. Just uh, – okay, we'll move on from that. We won't, we won't belabor that. All right, so, Jeff, on special teams, Isaac Pearson, all accounts, has punted well in the spring. Uh, looks like that position is going to be okay. Field goal kicking, uh-oh. Uh, Bert Auburn from the left hash from 44 yards missed by about an ocean. So, Will Stone, come on down. Yeah, um, the the one, you know, you're going to have an inexperienced kicker, an inexperienced punter, regardless of how you slice it. I think the one kind of calming influence on that group, though, could be can Zach Edwards at least get you in the realm, get you in the ballpark of where Justin Motter had you? Because, like, in his four years, Chip, did we ever – and, like, think about, like, Charlie Strong's last year, Tom Herman's first year. Like, PAT field goal snaps, the whole uh, deal, like, it was a week-to-week proposition. And once Justin Motter got in there, and props to Craig Niver for, for finding that kid and getting him as a preferred walk-on, which, by the way, he went from preferred walk-on to scholarship guy pretty quick in his career. And how, how often did you worry about a snap when he was the guy snapping it? Never. No. Like you went four years without worrying about the snap being bad. It was a and, really good four years of field goal kicking, you know, and Dicker finishes as the all Big 12 punter. You're right. I mean, Modder was the one snapping all that. Yeah. So that, to me, Zach Edwards is the guy that if he's right, it can really let those guys settle. And I, I talked to Cameron Dicker at his pro day about Modder. And one of the things he said, he's like, you know, he's like, I knew he was good. He's like, but, Dickerson, when he started punting, he's like, I didn't know how good he was and how much, you know, everybody took him for granted when Dicker started punting and saw just how perfect everything was. Like, boom, 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 just one perfect punt snap after another. So that's Zach Edwards to me is the guy, Chip, that has has to be right. Yeah, yeah. And look, um, you you, you cringe at the idea of a freshman field goal kicker, but – Cameron Dicker uh, came in and and uh, never you know never missed a beat from his freshman year to his senior year. Uh, three game winners, including that forty uh, yarder against OU as a freshman back in twenty eighteen. So who knows? We'll see. Uh, Dusty Ma- Dusty Mangum was one of those guys. Dusty Mangum, and that's it's funny because a team source said to me this week that the field goal kicking will probably be more. Uh, it'll resemble the David Pino, you know, Dusty Mangum years as opposed to the, you know, Justin Tucker, Phil Dawson years, but uh, Cameron Dicker years, but who knows? Who knows? Will Stone yeah. will will determine that in the starting in June. All right. So Jeff, as we put a, you know, put a little exclamation point on this spring scrimmage, uh, any final thoughts that uh that come to mind i just think this offense has a potential to be elite i mean just it, it almost doesn't matter for me who the quarterback is 
I do think there's more upside with this group with Quinn Ewers pulling the trigger, but there's so much elite talent. And it was good to see Isaiah Naor show out. It was good to see what little we saw from Jatavian Sanders. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley's a proven commodity at this level. You know, the, the new weapons on this offense combined with the guys returning, a healthy Jordan Whittington ship, like we didn't even talk about that, how much of an impact he made. And he had, I think it feels like he's the security blanket for Hudson Card when Hudson's the guy behind center. I just think there's so much elite at the skill positions that I think this is an offense that can, you can lead the Big 12 scoring yards for play, whatever metric you want to look at. This offense can be elite. And I think with that said, with the issues on defense and special teams that we just talked about, I'll, I'll die on the hill of saying, I think at least in the short term, to get to where he wants to be in the long term, <clears throat> Sark needs to go back and look at some of those old Baylor offenses, those old Oklahoma State offenses. And I think Texas now needs to be the bizarro Big 12 offense, that throwback that scores, tries to score 45, 50 points a game as a path to victory. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think um, there were times last year that you just it, well in those three losses that I mentioned earlier: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, where um, you know Texas throttled down a little bit, got simpler instead of more, you know, st- using the confidence that they just gained, using uh, all their motions and everything that that helped them get the lead. Yeah, it's the, it's the of throttling it's ditching, down, throttle yeah. more. Yeah, to that point, Chip, it's it's ditching the idea that you can play complementary football. Yeah, so last year you weren't going to be, you were never going to get to that point. And I'm not saying if Sark would have just, you know, gone all in, just pushed all his chips to the middle of the table on the offense, that they would have been a ten win team, but they would have been better than five and seven. Yeah, uh, I think if this team's going to get to where I think they can get to kind of that eight, maybe even if things break right, maybe get to that nine win plateau in the regular season. It's going to have to be pushing all your chips in the middle of the table on this offense and letting them carry you. Well, and that that leads me to my final point, Jeff, which is the culture. You know, this was a team that had bad internal culture. I don't blame Sarkeesian for everything because I think he had some – some uh oh, here we go again. Guys in key roles who failed to to really bow up and and fight when it mattered most. Um, and maybe they didn't think they had the guys behind them. Maybe they should have just played young guys with more fight. Yeah. But I think that culture has to change, and I think it will. I think with the guys we talked about in the secondary, that's critical. And then a more confident Jalen Ford, if it really is approaching his defense, I'll believe it when I see it, but that's encouraging that that's even being talked about because they need that guy. They need that guy. DeMarvin Overshawn, I love DeMarvin Overshawn, but he did not play physical enough last year at his position. Um, You know, he might start off physical, but then he'd wear down or not, you know, he'd try to go around blocks or under them and, that can only work for so long before they see the, you know, the pictures on the sideline and say, okay, we can totally expose him here. And, you know, we'll just get him going one way and run the other. And 
And so that culture of fight, Texas fight, you know, for lack of a better term, um, that, that has to be changing too. And, and so we'll see that we won't know that until we see adversity, uh, in, you know, once the season starts, whether it's Lou Monroe or certainly against week, Alabama. Week two, yeah. You know, say we, that game two, you're going to get a face full of it. And then you got old Jeff trailer, you know, lurking there in week three with his, he'll be poor mouth in his team uh, because they got some holes to fill, but that guy will have that team ready. Like it's a war. So yeah, you know, that's real quick on that ship, that, that UTSA game, that'll be like a lot like the Louisiana game last year. Yeah. And how I look at it from the standpoint of you, you should win that game. But if you're, if you're not buttoned up that week, you can mess around and get in the fourth quarter and realize suddenly, hey, we're in a dogfight, and we gotta we gotta work to finish this one off. Yeah, Hudson Card had you a could, lot. You of, could mess around, yeah, mess around, get yourself in a game with UTSA. He had a lot of third and long conversions in that game that people um, may have slept on. That was not, you know, just a a cakewalk on first and second down for for no. Texas. So, yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun, and hopefully. Uh, it's been fun for everyone to listen to the flagship podcast with my man Jeff Howe as we recap the uh, the orange-white scrimmage capping off uh, spring football. Jeff, thanks, man. Yeah, anytime, Chip. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and for Jeff Howe, I'm Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.